Welcome to the StoryCraft Cafe. Come in, grab a cup of your favorite beverage, and get ready to join the storytelling conversation. StoryCraft Cafe is brought to you by Dabble, the ultimate cloud-based fiction writing software. Here we're going to bring together storytellers from all walks to encourage and empower you to craft your best story. Hello everyone, this is Grace, the community manager here at the StoryCraft Cafe, and I am so excited to announce that our cafe is now open for business. We opened on Friday and we had such a great time. Um, so many people showed up, there was great conversations happening in the community. Um, we had an amazing interview with Christopher Paolini. The recording from that is up so you can go look at it on the community. Uh, and I am just, I was just overwhelmed with the amount of support that we were shown. So if you want to be a part of this project um, and come hang out with us, you can find us at the Storycraft Cafe. That's S-T-O-R-Y dot C-A-F-E. Again, that's storycraft.cafe. We would love to see you, and I hope to see you there soon. Thanks for joining us again in the StoryCraft Cafe. Boy, do we have a great show for you today. Last Friday, we had the last of our launch month celebrations with the Dabble team. And as a, a way for you to get a look kind of behind the scenes at some of the people working here at Dabble and some of the people that are behind the StoryCraft Cafe. I hope you have as much fun listening to it as we had recording it. Uh, lots of great stuff there. Before we get into this great roundtable discussion, let's hear from Wanda Morris. Talk about the challenges of writing with a family and, you know, all of the things that come up in life. I know you're going to love it. I said about, um, you know, doing workshops and taking night classes and, you know, I'm doing all this while I am working full time and I have, um, I started out with two kids and the time it's taken me to write this book, I've had a baby. Okay. So, you know, <laughs> I had kids, um, but wherever I could snatch time and, and uh, I, I started with the characters first. And after the characters, you know, when I kind of got my groove with who Elise was and who some of the other major characters were in the book, um, then I went to pacing because I knew that, you know, kind of that was what I liked. And it took me a while to get the pacing just right um, because the book was originally told um, in just one linear fashion. Like I said, I didn't put the dual timelines in until later. Um, so I was working in a linear fashion and it just, you know, it just was not coming together um, for me. But, you know, eventually it, it all did. It, it, it is all a process that evolves because, you know, once I started to learn about characterization, that helped me with pacing. And then once I got the groove of pacing, that kind of helped me with um setting for example you know it was like gosh where are these people and you know what does this setting mean to them why are they standing in this room having this conversation and what's going on around them and so things like that um so yeah it's it's a process writing a book is hard and it's a process <laughs> it evolves and we are live 
welcome to our final launch month celebration here in the Storycraft Cafe. It is the last Friday of the month of launch month, and we thought what better way to celebrate than to all get together, the we, the Dabble team, uh, <laughs> to talk about, you know, uh, Storycraft and, and why we built the Storycraft Cafe and what we hope to get from it and all of that fun stuff. So um, we did just have a fifth member and he just dropped out for a second. So, um, okay. So Jacob just said he'll be back in just a second. Since we're waiting for Jacob, why don't we take just a moment to introduce ourselves? Um, I'll begin. My name is Hank Garner. I am the podcast host here at the Storycraft Cafe, and I'm not exactly sure what my title other than that is, so um, I'm kind of the the podcast guy and uh, Dabble Evangelist, and, you know, I talk up Dabble as much as I can and the Storycraft Cafe, so that's me, and uh, Robert, what, why don't you introduce yourself? I think I think your official title is our superhero, Hank. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. <laughs> um, you know? The Incredible I'll Hank. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, the incredible Hank. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, my name is Robert. Uh, for a couple dabblers out there, they might have joined me for some uh, workshops or <clears throat> things like that. But I am the marketing guy and a writer here at Dabble. And uh, uh, I'm just so excited to be a part of all the awesome stuff that we get to do here at Dabble and in the Storycraft Cafe um and so yeah that's me grace awesome i am grace and i'm the community manager here at dabble so the storycraft cafe is my whole job more or less less <laughs> but um so i joined for the express purpose of helping to build this thing and i'm so happy to have been able to kind of take over this project and bring it to where it is now with the help of these lovely fellas. Um, so yeah, I am in the cafe a lot, as you know, um, and I'll be continuing to be here for any questions and leading lots of fun things as we move through the year. And everyone's favorite critic, Doug Landsberg. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm Doug. I'm a writer and editor for Dabble. Um, I don't have the, the privilege of being paid to hang out in the cafe, but sometimes I do it anyway. I take that back as the boss comes in. Um, but but uh, community is super important. Before I even published my first book, it was the writing community on Twitter that got me started. And um, and already this community is like 10 times cooler than, than what got me into writing in the first place. So I, I love hanging out in the Storycraft Cafe and seeing everyone's posts and responding. And, and I'm just really excited to see how it grows. Amazing conversation have, has been started in the Storycraft Cafe over the last month, and uh, that that kind of gets me fired up more than anything. Is just you know people challenging me to think about things that that I might not think about, um, mm -hmm. you know, on my own. Anyway, that's a side tangent. We'll talk more about that later. Jacob, um, I was just having everyone introduce themselves, and I kind of had another question teed up for you for next. So since you're last with the introductions i'll just let you go into that um tell everyone who you are what you do and um when you finish that please tell everybody kind of what 
how Dabble got started? What, what was the thing that motivated you to start this thing that then, you know, Storycraft Cafe is, is you know, kind of an, an, an outgrowth of that? And just tell us all about how it got started. Sure. Um, I'm a developer. I've been writing code for 20 years and love it, um, which is, I know, nerdy and things, but I'm <laughs> among fellow nerds, so it's cool. Um, I've always wanted to have my own business, my own, I've, I've always been entrepreneurial and I always had some side project going on. Uh, and maybe a little over 10 years ago now, um, yes, yeah, it's, it's been longer than that, but uh, I started getting into writing uh, and and my father was a published author uh, and I never thought that I would end up writing, but uh, started learning about the craft and just loving it, getting so excited, uh, reading about plot and structure and and scene development and characterization. And um, yeah, so I started writing uh, in the in my spare time uh, when I wasn't developing a side project in the spare time and realized at one point that I was never going to finish anything if I was trying to do everything. Uh, so I, I decided, um, hey, it's more likely that I'll uh, publish or finish a, a, a company, a software company than a book um, <laughs> uh, successfully, right? Um, because I've had 20 years experience versus a couple of years of you know, a little bit of yeah. And then uh, and then I, I figured, hey, you know what? Also, um, writing is something I can do when I'm old and gray, you know, um, programming moves so fast it might not be, uh, you know, so so I'll start with the, the software company and move on to the writing. Um, and uh, and then I also at the same time had the epiphany that, hey, you know, Scrivener has been a cool tool to use, but I know I could build something so much better. And uh, why not write the dream writing tool, you know, that that I'd want to use so that when I'm finished with my company and move on to, to writing or, or as I as I start picking it up as a hobby again, uh, I can have the tool that I want, you know, my dream tool to, uh, to write with. Uh, so meta. Yeah. Yeah. So that I, I gave up all the other, you know, ideas that I had and I just went with with the writing um, tool and and uh since then it's it's been it's been amazing to uh to see uh just the, the community that the the writing community is amazing um people are so gracious and grateful um and uh i've i've been you know uh doing some customer support and 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 other and just building software for other markets and industries uh and nobody's as nice as writers are uh people writers are super nice. Um, I've been in the game industry before. So, you know, <laughs> that's like the, uh, the complete opposite, you know, gaming <laughs> trolls and so you, things, but so you know how to take a thrashing and keep going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, it's, it's been so fulfilling. It's been the, the best, uh, best experience of my career uh, building dabble. And, uh, and I, I know, uh, all of us are either, Okay, most of us. There, are, there are a few extroverts among us, but most of us are either right. introverts or ambiverts, which is a term that I learned, uh, which is somewhere in the middle. I'm an ambivert. Sometimes social interactions jazz me up, and other times they drain me. And uh, 
And so community, especially with a screen between you and and the other participants, uh, is is so important for writers who are oftentimes uh, alone and, and doing their thing by themselves. So I'm I was I, I knew that once we uh, once we had the time and the the uh, the bandwidth to do it that we needed to create a community and and really invest in that as a gift or whatever to uh, to our writers. Um, I didn't think it was something we could charge for, but I knew it was something that was important that we would we would want to have. So Dabble helps to support Storycraft, which is awesome. Absolutely. Um, I am a huge fan of icebreaker questions to to kind of kickstart yeah. conversation. And I think you, you learn a lot. Um, by these kind of off the wall questions, but I was thinking of what, what could I use uh, with this group of people that I know and love and um, what would be a great way to, to start a conversation. And I was, I was listening to an interview a while back with singer songwriter Sturgill Simpson. And um, he said that he was in the shower one day and uh, this really popular song of his called turtles all the way down. Um, he was standing in the shower and the first two verses just came rushing into his mind. And he said that he just about broke his neck getting out of the shower to write down, you know, the idea for the song before it left. And I, I just thought that was so funny. Um, so my question for you guys is what is the strangest place or circumstance um, that inspiration has struck you? Maybe, maybe story inspiration, maybe, um, you know, the, uh, an idea to unlock a problem you had at work, just, you know, the inspiration that seems to come from nowhere, but just floods in. What's the strangest place that has ever happened to you? Robert, why don't you go first? <laughs> I'll go first. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of weird places where inspiration has hit me. Um, I think immediately of my um one of my siblings uh she's a writer and she actually has like a waterproof whiteboard in her shower just because she knows that the shower is a place of inspiration so she's always ready she's got it <laughs> so she can capture her ideas there um I've but i think probably the strangest so place um for me uh was uh, a couple years back I was, uh, I was running a food truck. I was a food truck manager and that was an experience. And this food truck was like old and janky and the door wouldn't close and the seat like had no seat belt and it was so loud. It could only go 65 on the highway and the speed limits here are like 70. So everybody goes like 78. So everybody's just zooming past me and the door's right next to me. I can just see the highway next to me. And it's just, I just remember like being so, there's just so much like stimuli that I'm just, because of that, like I can just like zone it all out. And then I would just be in my space <laughs> and I would come up with all these wild story ideas, um, maybe because I was terrified for my life. And so I had to, <laughs> I had to escape to another. Now or never. <laughs> <laughs> had to escape to another realm to to find some, some level of safety there. But that's probably the strangest place where I've like, hmm, I'm going to have to, once I get to the event or whatever, I'll have to pull up my phone and, and take some notes. So that's that's amazing doug you look like someone that's been struck uh by random bits of inspiration 
Yeah, when so back when I was in school, I had a, a summer job at I think it's Canada's largest theme park. And um it was a rainy day bucketing, but I still had to work an outdoor kiosk selling some kind of merchandise. And mm -hmm. um this was when I was just thinking about my first book. And it was so rainy and the merchandise was so expensive, no one was stopping to say hi at all. And I had like garbage bags, like elastic band around my feet to keep my my feet dry. <laughs> And so I'm like, okay, you know, I got I got nothing else to do. I'm just staring around, smiling at people who are ducking for cover. So I see the receipt printer there and I just like pop out some receipt paper and I say, okay, what what can I do with this? And then boom, ideas just start coming and I'm standing there occasionally glancing up, you know, smile on my face, go back down, right, 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 back up. And then like rain's coming down, it's getting the receipt paper wet. It's like smearing the ink. So I'm stuffing it in my pockets to keep it dry. Um, but yeah, yeah, that, that was it. Summer job in the rain at an amusement park. Uh, a lot of that work actually made it into that book, which is cool. I love that. Um, <laughs> one, one night we were driving, um, somewhere. I don't, I don't remember any of the circumstances about it, but my daughter said, dad, I've got to play you this new song. And I don't even remember the song. It had, it, it was, it was just surreal um i started listening to the song and a whole story just kind of flooded into my mind and i went home and started jotting down as many of those ideas as i could and um and and then wrote that over like eight weeks it just came pouring out but it was all from that weird moment of i don't even remember what the song was it, it was at night the the road was dark it was it i don't know it was just one of those weird um flashes of inspiration and I, i've been trying to duplicate that ever since and <laughs> haven't been able to uh grace what about you yeah driving is always it's always when you don't have the ability to write things down that you yeah. want to have the ability to write things down i grew up my mom writes as well and i grew up watching her write notes on post-it notes on the steering wheel at red lights like she would just like keep a post-it note on her like horn and then she would oh, be like funny. writing things down at red lights. And so I one-upped her as I grew older and I take voice notes. So I have like so many random voice notes on my phone. That's like, so in this scene where there's that wardrobe thing, what if we like just these long rambly things of me trying to like work out a, and then I have to go back and listen to them. And it's like, <laughs> 20 minutes of voice note for like one good idea um but i have discovered that the voice notes hands-free is a significantly safer method of trying to capture information in the car so that's that's become my you don't I even do, have to be at a stoplight it's true and I, I do a lot of freeway driving home to see my parents and back and so when you have six hours in the car by yourself that's that's a lot of good thinking yeah. time so what about you, Jacob? Has has inspiration ever slapped you upside the head at odd times? Yeah, yeah well, so it's in the shower, in bed, especially in the morning if I'm sleeping in um, uh, and driving. Um, I'm trying to think of one that isn't one of those three because that's where it happens most. Uh, and I think uh, one time um, my twin brother and I were uh, visiting uh, the employer that we worked in California, we were working remote, uh, and I'm a, I'm a twin, um, uh, identical. So he's in the game industry, and I was working at the game company, uh, although I haven't uh, really been into game, into game development much. 
but so we were there and we were talking through Dabble's plotting. And I had this idea for uh, plotting, um, you know, uh, Harry Potter was plotted on a piece of, you know, paper yeah. with, with lines and things. And so we were trying to come up with, you know, how it would work and what, what we would call it. And, and I was just getting his thoughts and ideas. And I don't, I think it was him. He, he said, you know, like uh, maybe plot grid. And that just clicked for me. I was like, oh, we got plot points and plot lines. You know, this is like a whole geometric, you know, point yeah. line grid, you know, so um, it, it it really clicked for me. And, and, and I, I know it's kind of weird. The names, you know, aren't a big deal. But after the name was set, then it just helped me figure out in my mind how everything else would would uh, would work and just kind of fell into place. And looking back, once it's done, it's a pretty simple thing. But it's always when, when you're going into trying to create something and design something, it's it's so nebulous and difficult. And then once you've figured it out, you look back and you're like, oh, man, that was simple. That way, why was it so hard to figure out something so simple? And but uh, but that's that's how it's always been for me is uh, a lot of a lot of, you know, uh, figuring out to come to a simple solution. So, yeah. um, writing is a very solitary pursuit. Um, we've talked about it uh, quite a bit on the podcast, and it's always interesting to see um, where community tends to seep into the writer's life and, and uh, how we form these uh, groups around us where we can, uh, you know, trust other people with our most uh, you know, innermost uh, thoughts and feelings and, and all of that. And, and the importance of, of how a good writing community feeds that writer's soul, uh, but also has the ability to give you honest feedback. And, um, you know, th there's lots of uh, faces to, uh, to a writing community. Um, Jacob, you talked uh, a little bit about kind of your motivation for starting the Storycraft Cafe. Um, but, but what does community mean to you? Uh, community for for writing specifically. I mean, community. We're as humans, we're social beings, even if we're introverts, uh, and we need yeah. people, and we need human interaction. We need pe people to understand us, and I think that's a big part of why we write is so that we can communicate to others uh, at a deep level. We we want to write in order to help so that we can move people, inspire them, make them cry, make them you know, stay up all night, you know, with excitement and anticipation, all those, all those emotions. Um, for for ri a writing community, I think it's so important uh, for us as writers to be able to level up, to get feedback, to understand um, when, when something that we're writing um, is inspiring or is confusing. And so uh, one of the big uh, the, the things that was important to me as we created the writing community is to uh, Storycraft Cafe is is to facilitate writing groups uh, with a large forum uh, type of a community. There's a lot of great discussion that can go on, but when it comes to your own personal work, uh, you want you want people to read it and to to give you feedback and and let you know you know where it could be better. Um, and it, that doesn't work as well with a huge group. 
Um, and so that's, that's where small writing groups excel because those, those individuals, you're also reading their stuff, they're reading your stuff. And it's, you know, throughout your book, you know, you can do a chapter at a time or whatever the, uh, the group decides. And I think that's super helpful uh, for, your, for your personal development and growth and, and being able to get that feedback uh, early on from, from other human beings. Right. Robert, I think you are probably the second person to, um, to, you know, after Jacob to, to start thinking about what our community would be and, and what that would look like. Uh, what does community mean to you? Yeah, I mean, um, community for me is the reason that I, started believing in myself as a writer like it's the reason that I because you know I had these fun ideas but I was like mm, but I probably couldn't do anything with this um and like it wasn't until like I had a group of writers around me who were motivated and who shared a common goal and you know told me like that hey these these are great stories like you you should definitely write this down and kind of laid out the process for me and helped me kind of see the vision. It wasn't until then that I really kind of became a writer, so to speak. And I think that, you know, that that's another thing is all along the way. Um, I think everyone suffers from this and no matter where they are in life and what path they're taking. But I think writers are especially afflicted by imposter syndrome <laughs> And I think being surrounded by other people who are having the same struggles and who also maybe hate the last couple paragraphs that they wrote, um, but they they read your paragraphs like multiple times in my writing group. I'd write something and I'd think, man, this is so terrible. Um, <laughs> and parts of it were parts of it were legitimately yeah. terrible, but uh, I like to have those people in my writing group who I totally respect and who I totally like know that they're going to be honest with me to have them come back and say, Hey, these are some really awesome ideas, or I really love this one line. They kind of help me uh, kind of see the, the diamonds in the rough so much, so, so to speak. And that like, that's kind of what transformed my mentality towards writing is like, instead of just like, Oh, I'll have these cool ideas, but I'll probably never do anything with it. It's thanks to the awesome people um, who are around me that kind of transform transform me and push me to to kind of pursue that dream in in earnest and actually push myself to to become better and to to live the dream, so to speak. Yeah, I I, I agree with you, Robert. Uh, the first thing that I wrote, I think my, my family, my, my wife and five kids were, were my writing community. And, and I read everything, um, you know, out loud to them and, and share. And, you know, of course you, you get praise and, you know, uh, feedback, but that's a certain type of feedback that you get from your immediate family, you know, and it was only after that, that I shared with some other people and got some, uh, not only, uh, you know, feedback from strangers that that you know stroked my ego a little bit, but I got some some valid criticism that made me take a different look at what I had written. But uh, 
but I was fortunate enough to to get very kind souls who could deliver that news to me in a in a gentle way that you know that encouraged me to to step up my writing and not just you know bury it in the backyard and you know pretend that it never happened. But anyway, um, okay. yes. That that criticism thing is super interesting. This just popped into my head full force. Yeah. Um, I grew up doing ballet, and one of the things that happens in an intense ballet class is that only the people who the at least in my intense ballet class was that only the people who the instructor saw had promise got cr criticism. So it was like if you got a correction, that was a good thing because it meant that like once you got to like a certain level, right? Like yeah. it, it meant that like the instructor was like, no, you can do better. You can do better. And I think mm -hmm. that like having that mentality somewhere in my brain has really helped me to accept criticism on other things like writing, where it's like, yeah. if someone's reading this and they're giving me feedback, that's like, oh, this could be better. This could be better. It means that like they believe that it could be better. Like they think I could do better and not like they're not trying to fix it. It's never going to be their writing. Like they think that I have the chance to do it better. And I think that like reframing criticism in that way has been such a useful concept for me because I don't yeah. necessarily take criticism well on the first <laughs> go around. So I have to kind of remember that of like, no, no, this means that like they think I can do better. I love that. Um, what, what does, what does community mean to you, Grace? I mean, other than, that great point that you just brought out about criticism, but what, what other roles do the community fill? For me, my writing community has always been really small. Um, I have a couple of friends from childhood that I've grown up writing with. We always did NaNoWriMo together. We always did, you know, like it was like kind of my little squad of like four people. And, um, and that was actually really great because it meant that I'd known them forever. And so we had sort of this built-in trust of like being pseudo siblings. Um, and then also we had watched each other's fiction evolve. And so like, I know like the stuff that my friend Chris is writing now is really cool. The stuff that he was writing in seventh grade <laughs> wasn't that good, right? And so I think, I think having that sort of trust and like knowledge of each other's work has helped us to stay supportive because it's like, oh, I've seen you evolve from there to here. So I know that you're going to evolve from here to there. Um, and I think that's something that I was really trying to bring into this community was that feeling of like safety. Like I want this to feel like a space that's safe and where we're intentionally trying to get to know each other. Um, so that as we are giving feedback, we're giving feedback that's coming from a place of like, I know you and I want the best for you and not just criticism for the sake of criticism. And so I right. think that's something that in every decision that I make in the community, like that's the feeling I'm trying to foster is like safety and inclusivity and feeling like this is a space where I can be vulnerable and like people care about me enough that they're not just going to like tear me down for the sake of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Doug, I, I know that you're an avid gamer, um, board gamer, and and mm -hmm. such, and, and that you have a a community of of uh, of people that that you game with on a regular basis. Is that right? That is right. Yes. Do do you consider a writing community uh, to be similar to uh, your your gaming community and and this this group of 
trusted friends that, that you spend time with already? What an interesting question. Um, I don't drink as much with my writing community as my board game community. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, um, it's interesting because the the people that I play games with, it's primarily Dungeons and Dragons. I'm a D&D nerd at heart. And I take on the role of the the dungeon master, the game master. And so it's cooperative in, storytelling. I yes, mean, cooperative storytelling. Cool. It is perfect for writers. Um, and so like my role is telling the story and facilitating the story for these people and to make sure that they have a good time, which is very similar to writing a book and making sure that my readers enjoy the book that I write. Um, and so it, in both situations, the, the community around me is providing feedback, sometimes actively in the case of writers, sometimes, you know, passively or via sarcastic jokes uh, in the case of my board game friends um, to, to improve my skills. And it, if it wasn't for either community, I'd say, um, I would not be as good a storyteller I, as I am today. Um, for books specifically, like being a, being a dungeon master has taken a lot of work and a, a lot of embarrassing slip ups, um, as you're improving stuff, but for writing specifically my first book, the first draft of it that I wrote many, many years ago was awful. <laughs> it was so bad. <laughs> and it was only because of the community that I found that, uh, not only just gave me feedback, but like helped me find resources to improve my own writing. Um, and gave me suggestions and were blunt with me. Um, that that's what helped me become the writer that I am today. And if I didn't have that community, would never happen. Probably wouldn't have, wouldn't have even published a book. So, so last week we were going to have a uh, a roundtable discussion on pantsing versus plotting, and and that didn't uh, didn't come to fruition because of some technical difficulties we were having. And we're still working out, and we will revisit that on a large scale. But I thought this would be a fun topic to bring up. Um, just to, we can just touch on for a minute. We, you know, no one has to get nasty or anything. Um, you know, unless you want to. But you know, I'm not telling you what to do. Um, but Jacob, you you said that one of the things that you first started uh, kind of dreaming about with Dabble was this plot grid situation. Um, do you consider yourself a plotter or pantser? And and why was why was the plot grid kind of the the linchpin for you that that started kind of unlocking all the different possibilities? Uh, so I uh, I would say that I'm still early enough in my writing journey that I'm not sure if I'm a plotter or a pantser. I like the so idea. Diplomatic. <laughs> I like, no, I'm, I, yeah, I, I like the idea of, of plotting and planning because in my mind, that's going to save me so much time later down the road. But uh, until I've finished a complete novel and seen how good or not good it is, how, you know, uh, I, I, I'm still not sure if, uh, if pantsing might be better for me, uh, but I do like the idea of plotting. Um, when I created the plot grid, it was, um, I thought, okay, first we need to take care of writing, uh, then plotting, then editing, then publish. I mean, you know, I've got kind of this list of yeah. like, here's dabble, like the smallest bit, and here's, you know, a little bit more, a little bit more. Um, and so I, I figured plotting would come after the writing. You can't, you can't, um, 
can't have a book without writing it, but you can without plotting it. Uh, but so I figured that'd be the next step. And even if you're a pantser, you can use the plot grid to go back and plot it out and figure out where the plot holes are and what the issues are. So, so I thought it was a good, a good tool there. So uh, that's a great question. I'm not sure. Um, I like the idea of, of plotting better. <laughs> Robert, where do you fall on the spectrum? <laughs> um, that's a very good question. I feel kind of similar to Jacob. Uh, I feel like I'm a, I'm an aspiring plotter. <laughs> like I, I hope to be able to plot. Um, and that's kind of what I'm working on for my current project. I'm trying to figure out what methods and, um, you know, just trying to take some real time to plan out the story before I start. Um, because I know that I can sit down and just write like 500 to 1,000 words a day. Like I know that I, I have the discipline and I can sit down and do that. But <laughs> the problem is then I'll get to the middle of the story and then I'll be like, I don't know where this is going. And I talked about this character and he never came back and um, things like that. So that's why I'm trying a different approach for my current project because um, I'm testing it out. So um, in terms of my past projects, I'm definitely more of a pantser, um, but I am aspiring to uh, kind of find the balance because I think there will be still portions of, of me that I'll just want to just sit down and write and not quite know what's going to happen. But yeah. I'm, I'm thinking if I can at least, uh, I thought, I can't remember who said it, but there was a great analogy of like setting out your plot as kind of like a map with different destinations. Right. And then you can kind of find your way and meander about while you're headed to your, to that destination. But as long as you know where your next point is that you're trying to get to, then hopefully, even if it's a meandering path, you can you can uh, end up where you need to be instead of lost in the woods, <laughs> which is uh, where I have found myself on a couple different projects. So, is that me who said that? that <laughs> Doug, why do you believe that pantsing is the only way to be a real writer? <laughs> <laughs> um before i before i dive into to my spiel um i do want to comment on what robert just said about his own uh wanting to be a plotter this is coming from the man who wrote who created a language for a blog on our website so <laughs> don't underestimate your own ability to plot something when you created a language for a blog post um robert this is this is that imposter syndrome. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Take that okay, imposter yes. syndrome and bury it in the backyard. <laughs> so amongst the team, I'm probably the most vocal supporter of, of plotting. Um, I might be like the only hardcore plotter out there. I'm not totally sure. But uh, if you're not a plotter, you're doing it wrong. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> It it was a, a hard learned lesson for me. Wrong, eh? <laughs> back back about that first book I was talking about. I did not plot that one out initially, and yes, I was a weaker writer. But that first draft was just it was meandering. There were holes. There were characters that didn't make sense. There it was a lesson for me that for my own writing style, I need to plot out what's going to happen or things are going to happen that I don't want to have happen. And sort of like Robert just said. I, I treat it more like a map than like a rigid structure. And I think that all good plotters realize that their outline will guide them 
but they can still grow and kind of explore within within that outline. Um, it's not like there are people out there writing saying, hey, plotters can't explore when they write because if they go against their outline, then they have to go back to step one and start it all again. Not the case. Don't do that. No one's doing that. <laughs> but every every plotter I've ever heard talk about their process, they they've always said that the plot has always changed from yeah. the original the yeah. original plan. And it's the you have to be able to adjust your outline to whatever your story grows into. That I think that's true plotting. If someone is very rigid in their outline, I, I'm not talking down to you. I don't want to be mean about your method. You do you. Um, but yeah, pantsers, you're too you're too. You thrive on anarchy, and I don't. So, <laughs> best of luck, but no thank you. I think I've grown in uh, uh, my appreciation for plotting. Let me let me put it that way. I do <laughs> like to have um, uh, a roadmap of sorts when I'm writing, and, and I definitely uh, I tend to know the ending from the beginning, and then I'm writing toward that ending. Um, but I'm kind of weird in that. Um, I need to write a chapter or two um, and, and just kind of just literally by the seat of my pants um, to figure out who the characters are and what the setting is. And then a couple of chapters in, then I start to see the big picture and then I plot it out. So I, I kind of begin as a pantser. And then when when the inspiration starts flowing, then I can kind of plot it out it's it's kind of weird but it's uh I, I like to think it's the best of both worlds yeah nothing wrong with that yeah what well, about you grace i will say first of all before i get into this i'm going to answer anna elaine's question from the chat which is okay. how's the best way to find a writing group or reading partner in the storycraft cafe if you go into the storycraft cafe you go over to the left side left. and uh there's the writing groups tab that very first space in there is called how to join a writing group and you can either sign up to be matched with other people or if you've been chatting with some people in the cafe who seem to be writing similar things or you're just vibing really well you can also create a writing group yourself and just send us everyone's email and we'll create it for you so that's the space that you need to go to to get all the info on that and if you have any questions you can message me in the cafe and i'll help you out this is my I, name i posted that link in there in the chat as well okay. i don't know if it'll pop up because like YouTube doesn't want me yeah. to spam links, <laughs> awesome. but maybe it's in the chat. <laughs> um, anyways, back to this plotters v. Panthers debate. I'm feeling a little bit of pressure right now because Nisha <laughs> is not here. And Nisha, I know, is the pantsing queen of Dabble. So I'm feeling like I really need to represent her well here. And that's putting a lot of pressure on these small shoulders. So I will say for my own self, I definitely fall more into the pantsing category, hardcore. Um, I tend to, when I come up with a story idea, it tends to be mostly like, here's these characters. Well, okay, let me back up. I like to have a really good sense of my characters and my world before I start writing. That is, that is true. That is the, the planning that I do, is I yeah. really want to get to know my characters, their backstories, like what their motivations are, and then also the setting. So like in my world, there's sort of there's some like magical stuff happening and I needed to figure out like kind of the rules for that. Um, so like kind of what the constraints are of this world. And then I sort of think of it as I create this setting that's kind of this maze of like constraints. There's like 
timeline constraints in terms of actual historical events that kind of have to line up. So I like sort of figure out what that is. And then I have an end goal. I'm like, okay, they're gonna X at the end, right? And I just sort of drop my little rats in the maze and let them run. And I think that that for me has worked out well for a few reasons. One, having some constraints is good. Like you don't want to just go off into the Netherlands. Netherlands? That's a real place. We're not going yeah. there. But I think having some constraints is useful because it does give you a little bit of direction. I also know for me, my writing style my issue with first drafts is always too few words and not too many. Yeah. Um, and so I tend to write straight to the point. It's like bang, 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 action, 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 this, this, this. Yeah. And so I know I'm going to have to go back and add in thousands more words anyways. And so I think it almost is like my first draft is in some ways an outline because yeah. it's just, it's going to need to be really like doubled in length anyways. Yeah. So and I think it's true for a lot of people, Grace. Yeah. So I think in that regard, pantsing works because it's almost just like a super extensive outline. Yeah. So like maybe it's actually just the very beginning parts of doing some plotting. But <laughs> um, I think as a first draft, that really works for me to just be like, I'm just going to write this story and then be able to go back and be like, OK, I'm going to need some more exposition here. I'm going to need to explain how we got from here to here. I leave myself a lot of notes as I'm writing, usually all caps in brackets that say things like, not sure how we got to Paris, figure it out later. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I think knowing that that's something I'm going to have to go back and fix anyways, makes the idea of heavy revisions less odious because I already know I'm going to need to write more. Yeah. 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 So Jacob, I, I really wanted to, to touch on the whole planning versus plotting uh, or the pantsing versus plotting um, idea because um, since we have you on this chat and you're the guy that designed Dabble and, and these great tools, um, how do you <laughs> see that the, the plot grid and other plotting tools that are built into Dabble could benefit a pantser? Um, you know, and, and because some people may see, um, you know, the plot grid and all of these things built in and think, well, this is something obviously only built for for, uh, you know, plotters. Um, but how do you, how can those tools benefit the other side of the fence? Well, everything I've heard about pantsing is that you're you're uh, you're just putting the plotting part off after the first draft. Right. <laughs> so. Right. You, you plot your book uh, and, and or you, you write your book, sorry. You write your book and then you have to go back and you do your your revisions and, and things like that. Uh, and I think it's really helpful to get a bird's eye view of, of all everything that's happening, just to get, you know, like a summary view. Um, and the, you know, the scene, the scene notes help with that, which is mm -hmm. great. But then you, it's also nice to be able to pick out uh, the, the interweaving plot lines, you know, you know, this, this romantic thread that's going through your thriller or, or you know, whatever, um, maybe thrillers are, they, I've, well, no, there's, there's people who pants thrillers too. I know that. So, uh, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm not, I haven't um, gotten much feedback, uh, whether pantsers have been using the plot grid 
fully for <laughs> okay uh, for 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 review and and editing. But uh, but uh, yeah, that was the original thought was, hey, you know, you can do it in advance or you can do it afterwards and be able to see, you know, like, oh, I left this clue. You know, maybe one of the plot lines um, that I think a really great idea is to have it for for uh, the clues like red herrings and things like that. So a clues yeah. plot line where you leave clues and then and then you uh, answer those clues. And sometimes you might leave a clue that that just kind of disappears and is forgotten later in your story and you can pick that up in in your in your plot line your plot grid and and see uh unanswered questions you know questions and and the answers to them or or things like that so as as a writer we always make promises um as a pantser perhaps uh some of those promises we forget to answer later in our book i'm not sure i've not uh finished the book as a pantser so yeah but that's that's the goal Jacob, I've been doing that even on this draft, which I'm not that far into. I've been because I've been trying to figure out the best way to use blockers for me because um, I don't know, my brain doesn't naturally really necessarily work that way. So I've had to kind of like figure out how to make it work for me. And the scene notes have been really awesome because even as I've been writing, I've been going in yeah. and just making little notes of like first met this character here or like mention this thing. And so then even as I'm writing, I can kind of like, it's like an evolving, not so much a plotting at, in advance, but a like keeping track of what my plot actually is in a way that I can see it sort of all at once, because it's hard. I don't wanna have to reread that whole chapter to know what happened, that's gonna take longer. Okay. Whereas if I can just have kind of like, oh, this is what happened, then it's, it makes it easier for me to refer back to if I do get to a point where I'm like, did I already, didn't we already need him? I can just go back and, and be like, oh, yeah, I did in chapter three. Um, so I, that's even as a pantsing tactic of doing it as I go, it's been helpful. That's awesome feedback. I think as a creator, I've, I'm creating all these tools and probably people assume that I already know how everyone's using them. Uh, but a lot of times, uh, you know, there's the hope, you know, that it's going to be useful, but I'm not sure if... Uh, if anyone's even using it the way that it was intended or or at all when and if, great. if you're if you're pantsing something using the plot grid to leave breadcrumbs uh kind of as you go um you know kind of because you may be outlining as you're writing and and mm -hmm. it's fun to fill that in along the way so that when you're pantsing seven chapters later you remember <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> that you drop this character in and and why he has a little pencil thin mustache who knows um but you know those are fun if um, i if i could hank just do a shameless plug yeah. for dabble version 2.3 that just released um you can especially if you're writing a thriller or something like that you can use the new labels on plot points and uh note cards to note things like red herrings or clues that tie into one another or stuff like that to make it super easy at a glance so yeah, they're really nice for POV as well to yeah. say who's yeah. the POV for this scene or that scene. And if, if they're color coded and you leave it on the scene note and not on a plot line, then that color codes in the uh, in the left pane. So you can see easily which scene is in this POVs, you know, just by the color. Mm -hmm. So that's that's yeah. Nice. And because we're talking about this and it sounds complicated when you can't see it. And also because Anna just asked this question in the chat. Yes, we absolutely can do a little like walk through plot grid ideas, training, different ways to use it video series at some point. 
um, whether we do it live or recorded, I'll definitely make sure to put it in the community once it's ready to go. So that way everyone can check out. This is something we've been meaning to do for yeah. years, really. And now we have the manpower that uh, that it should be done soon. You know, that we should be able to get it done without too yeah. many distractions. <laughs> <laughs> um, Doug, uh, because we were talking plotting versus pantsing mm -hmm. and we're, you know, our our overarching conversation today is about community and the Storycraft Cafe specifically. Do you find that sharing your work um, as a plotter, um, do, do you think that there would be a difference in how you share your work in the confines of a trusted writing community? Um, do you think that that would be different as a plotter versus a pantser? And let me, let me tell you what I mean by that. Um, as you are working on a plot for your book, is that something you would share with a writing group um, before you start the drafting? Uh, I think a lot of times we think of, you know, the, of sharing our work with others as maybe a scene that we've written. Uh, but do you, do you find that it would be beneficial to share your, your plot grid, your outline with other people to get feedback before you start drafting? Yeah, I, I think so. So one of the, the things when I wasn't uh, a plotter was I was really nervous to share my draft with anyone. Like it was my first story for sure, but like you aren't sure if everything's right. And usually when you want to put something out, especially a book that you've worked really hard on, you want to make sure it's perfect, right? You want to you make sure you've crossed all your T's and dotted all your I's. As a plotter, I have up until, I want to say a little recently, it's always been make the outline, make sure that outline is exactly what I want it to be. And then when I write that first draft, I'm a lot more confident in it. And so when I share it, that's fine. But it's interesting being able to share Like when I share the outline, I'll share it with close friends or, or close writing friends, um, but it'll be very informally, right? It'll be, it'll be off the cusp. It'll, hey, what's your book about? Well, X, Y, and Z go and do this in this world. And then this happens and this happens and this happens. Oh, that sounds cool. But I think actually I might incorporate it now, sharing my my actual outline, especially if it's in something that's shareable, like like the plot grid. I can share that with people. You just have to make sure that the notes that you make in an outline, if you're going to share it for feedback, make sense to other people. Because a lot of times your notes will not make sense to other people. <laughs> can yeah, we just I... take a moment and appreciate X, Y, and Z? Oh, yes. <laughs> X, Y, and Z died, rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> I think, Doug, to kind of piggyback off of that, I think when it comes to sharing things like pre-writing, the thing, I think that is definitely something that like, I don't necessarily want to share with a big group. Like it's mm -hmm. definitely like more of a sacred, like that, like nascent, like it's just like, it's little and, um, and fragile, you know, it's still an idea. And so it still feels like malleable and fragile. And so I think that's where having a, a smaller like writing group that you really trust um, becomes like super valuable. Like I know with my writing friends from home, like we, over the pandemic, we did a big like world building project because we were bored and because we were in quarantine. And so the, the th three of us like got on a Zoom call once a week and we like built out this whole world. And, like we each had a civilization and we like, we're talking about like, does your civilization trade with my civilization? And like that, was super fun and cool because it was like 
this idea that was fresh and new and also like still really wobbly, but it didn't matter as much because it was like just people that I knew and trusted and it was kind of informal. And I think like, it's not until that idea has been more like solidified, codified, like officialized that I, I agree, Doug, that I feel like more comfortable sharing it with a, even like a bigger writing group or even putting like little bits of it into a space like Storycraft Cafe. Like I, it takes, you kind of have to be like, you have to be willing to like back it up, you know, and like have a reason for things and like take a challenge on it. And I think that like when something's still so young and precious, you're not quite ready to like take a challenge on it. So I think that that's sort of the, one of the values of having like a little group and a big group is that you, you get to share different types of things within those different types of groups. If that makes sense. I think sense. that's one of the great, uh, great things for a first draft of uh, creating a rule for yourself that you won't share it allows mm -hmm. you to write it as crappy as, as you want, because totally. if you've made that rule, then, you know, no one will see it. If you, if you have the idea in the back of your mind that someone might read this, it's a lot harder to, uh, to just go for it and, and be crappy. I think it, that's why Anne Lamott, uh, you know, it, it has that saying that gets quoted all the time, give yourself permission to write that crappy first draft. We'll, we'll censor Anne a little bit. <laughs> um, I think it also, it depends where you're at in terms of your writing career as well. Cause I know even in the Storycraft Cafe, we'll have some, some career authors who, you know, have 15 books under their belt or something. They will be a lot more confident sharing an outline that's not perfect because they're, they know that their, their craft is there and they know that they're looking for feedback. They're not, it's not a passion project at this point. It's a job. And so they're mm -hmm. looking for that feedback instead of instead of feeling that they might be too vulnerable. You're not quite as emotionally like yeah. wrapped up in each. <laughs> <sentence>. yeah. <laughs> well, you, you know, even even the the professional that has 15 books out. Um, I, I was talking to David Baldacci one time, and and I asked him about the beginnings of new projects, and he's got like 30 books that have you know landed at the number one on New York Times, you know, over and over and over again, and and he said the the, the thing that levels the playing field for everyone is that every book begins with a blank page that you, everybody starts at the same exact place. And, you know, that's the great equalizers, the, the blank page. I also want to say uh, Anna in the chat saying, I worry people will think I literally can't create a sentence if they see my first draft. <laughs> I, if you don't like, you have to get to a part in your first draft where where you're comfortable sharing it, obviously. But if it's your first book that you're sharing with someone, I don't think you're ever going to reach a point where you're like, yes, this is ready to go out to be criticized. Like that's right. never going to happen. So just just trust in the fact that whoever you're sharing it with has your best intentions at heart. And it's for you to grow as a writer, because that's all that's going to happen. You're just going to write a better book after someone gives you a little bit of criticism. And they probably are experiencing the same fears exactly. that, that you are, you know, that's, yeah. yeah. So um, as we're sitting here at the end of uh, our launch month for the Storycraft Cafe, we are right at 450 members, which is amazing <laughs> and kind of mind blowing. You know, we're going to hit 500 in, in no time at all. Um, I, I would like for us to reflect for just a moment on where we hope uh, the Storycraft Cafe is this time next year and 
and what do we hope I, I know that we'll just uh give a, a little glimpse behind the curtain we have some big things planned for later this year some uh, some conferences that we're going to put on and and you know we're constantly talking about um having day-long workshops you know maybe once a month and you know just there's they're all kind of things that we're constantly pitching back and forth to one another and you know if we could do you know things that we've always dreamed of what would we do and and you know a lot of that is you know happening now in the storycraft cafe um but grace you know as the community manager who's kind of mm-hmm. steered the ship um where do you hope things are a year from now i think okay well i did just write out my 2023 <laughs> plan so whew, we're uh, getting there um i think for me i'm less concerned about numbers really i think that's like the easiest metric to throw out is numbers and i'm like less interested in that what i'm really i think hoping that we can achieve in the next year is to get a group of people that are super engaged um that are starting to form deeper connections with each other i think if we could get um you know our members in writing groups to get those writing groups to be really active um and maybe we can do some sort of like writing group workshops, you know, of like, okay, like, we're going to get all your writing groups together. And we're going to do this thing and talk about like, how to utilize a writing group and like how to run one. Um, I think engagement and connection is really the thing that I'm the most, that's kind of my number one priority. I think my number two priority is going to be like educational opportunities. I think we do have some really awesome sort of lecture series, potential masterclass stuff, like really some great sort of craft-based learning coming down the pipeline. And I want that to be something that people know about this community. That when people are like, oh, I'm part of the Storycraft Cafe, other people are like, isn't that where you got all that great advice? Um, I think that, that that's sort of my, like, I want it to be a space where you both have actual friends, you know, like you've met people that you like feel like you know, even if you've never met in real life, because that's how the internet works. Um, And then also a place where you go and feel like your craft has improved through your time here. I think that that's really sort of my two big goals. I think my third, just like personal goal, I am waiting for the day that someone tells me that they would rather procrastinate here than on Twitter. (laughs) Like I just, I want to supplant Twitter as the place to go for like productive procrastination because that that's what I want. I want this to be the place that you're writing and you're like, man, I don't feel like writing right now. I'm going to go on the Storycraft Cafe, see what's going on. And then you feel like you're being useful anyways, because you're still talking about writing. That's, that's what I want to be. I want to be that place. Um, but yeah, I think connection, craft and procrastination are my three goals. <laughs> I, I hope that the Storycraft Cafe uh, is the place where all of the good vibes are and none of the dumpster fire of Twitter. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Doug, what, what do you think about when you think a, a year from now? Um, in the same vein as Twitter, uh, I, in, in the back of my first book, I actually gave a shout out to the writing community on Twitter um because again they helped me get to that point but since then i've kind of fallen out of it because twitter's gross um so <laughs> i would love to see some point over the next year somebody say maybe in their book maybe just in a post in the cafe like thank you storycraft cafe because of you i was able to finish my book yeah um, that would be cool 
that would that would be impactful. And like I don't I don't I'm not the community manager like Grace, but like that's my goal for the cafe yeah. anyway. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Well, you were a founding member, you know. Yeah, exactly. I was yeah, there. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I was there when. Yeah. <laughs> Robert, what do you, what do you think about when you think a year from now in the cafe? Um. Yeah, kind of in the same vein. Like, like I said, the what helped me realize that I am a writer and that I can do this is by surrounding myself with people who felt the same and who thought the same and who also loved to just um, daydream about lands with dragons and or, you know, historical fiction or what would happen if this and what would happen if that. And um, I, I really just hope that more like my my main goal is that the people who are in the cafe now and all the people who will come will be able to to arrive there and like hank said bury that imposter syndrome in the backyard and get rid of it and just be able to to really um embrace the writing side of themselves by surrounding themselves with um with other awesome writers who are chasing the same dreams and um and who just love to to explore all of the amazing things that writing kind of unlocks in their brain and in their lives. Jacob, we wouldn't be here without your vision. Uh, so what, what do you think about? Uh, I'm excited for all of the stuff that we can bring. Uh, Gr Grace kind of nailed it. Uh, one of the things that maybe she didn't mention explicitly that I'm excited for is uh, writing events. Uh, I think there's a lot of momentum and excitement. NaNoWriMo is is what kind of kicked Dabble off. We were able to sponsor that the first, you know, the the first few months after we launched, and and that was a big success. And I think um, for a lot of writers, there's solidarity in in writing together, uh, word sprints or or you know and. and uh, writing uh, Storycraft Cafe, um, we want to support NaNoWriMo um, and that event and maybe Preptober and maybe, uh, you know, an editing, you know, month afterwards. <laughs> yeah. And so so there's I think there's a lot of uh, uh, fun stuff that that can help writers you know, write together and create books together and maybe um, eventually uh, some some uh, writing uh, courses and instructions uh, where we can have some some really great writing teachers come in and, and run a class with with, you know, classmates and things like that. I think there's there's just a lot of opportunity for a lot of really great programs that can help all of us and, and all of our fellow writers to uh, to create the books of their dreams and, and create something that's that's meaningful and 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 affects, you know, the world and a positive way or scary way we write or write. Dog. So, yeah. Well, I will said. Say, I've never succeeded at NaNoWriMo. So Me either. if I do this year, it's because of Starcraft Cafe. I agree. I, it's my, that's my goal. I'm going to need all of y'all to motivate me because I have never successfully completed it and I'm so determined. So this is going to be a good test of my own community management skills to see if I can motivate myself to <laughs> well, it's uh, it's challenging when you work at Dabble because everyone you're supporting is also participating. So it, it gets, yeah, it's a, extra, extra good luck. 
Uh, but Dabble does track your word count. So just, you know, throwing that out there. For yes. Oh yeah, we'll, we'll definitely do a little like goal setting uh, instructional thing. Don't worry, it's, it's coming. <laughs> Stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be some competitive prodding and uh, goading and coaxing and all of those great um, adjectives. Maybe we could do like a leaderboard for a number of words written in November. Oh, I actually, uh, that's a that's a word sprints thing I want to ask you about uh, offline, so remind <laughs> me. <laughs> Well, everyone uh, in the Storycraft Cafe, uh, thanks for joining us today. Grace, Doug, Robert, Jacob, thank you for uh, for taking time out to to help celebrate this uh, final Friday and launch month. And uh, we know that amazing things are are coming for the Storycraft Cafe and and already are happening there. So, uh, yep. if you haven't yet, come join us at Storycraft Cafe. Come say hi. We'll see you next time. Thank you.